You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm really excited to be chatting with a new guest today. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. It's a great opportunity to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm really excited to chat with you. And I was just telling you this before we, we hopped on to record, uh, what you offer is such a need and it's such something that goes so like underrated, I would say, like people don't realize how important it is, but tell everyone what you do and kind of how you got started. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I am a copywriter and a brand and product namer. So I started Zeppelin Naming Consultancy last year to help brands and visionary brands find the perfect name for their business or for their product or app or anything that they need the name for. So um, a little bit of the journey, as I mentioned, well, I started out as a copywriter. I still do copywriting um, and love it and never thought I would get into it. But it was through copywriting that I discovered naming and fell in love with it from there and thought, okay, this is a thing, this is a need, and I love doing it. So I'm happy to talk more about the journey. And Incredible. So take us kind of back to the beginning. I would imagine as a copywriter, you probably majored in English or communications, marketing, something related to that. Tell us about all of that journey. Perfect. Yeah. So I was, my first love is English and literature, and I love poetry. And, and words in general, but I actually majored in journalism. Um, so okay. I was following that track for a while and advertising and marketing, like it wasn't even on my radar. And when I graduated, I went to BU, which is just from Boston in the area. Um, you know, I was really pursuing the journalism track and working like multiple jobs while also trying to do journalism jobs as well. Um, I was really lucky and did get to experience working as a reporter, like really newsroom, like really scrappy, going out, getting stories, reporting on the, the beat, which put me out of my comfort zone a lot because I'm not naturally used to doing that and like asking, you know, man on the street questions like that. So it was a really great experience, but I um I was searching for something else that was going to feel a little bit more stable and um, eventually applied for a copywriter job, which, you know, there were English skills, communication, writing. Okay, like this lined up and got really lucky to work at an agency um, in the area where really just got immersed in everything from social and web and TV and traditional media, like billboards and like print. And I felt really lucky to work there. I was there for five years. Um, and so to get to the naming part, um, every, every once in a while, not often, we'd have a naming project come in and, you know, rest of the copywriters, it was a pretty small team, would gather and like bring our ideas together and say, okay, we can give this list of names to the client. And then, you know, it was really exciting though, because I was like, naming. Like it just got me thinking and um, more curious about how how do things get their names and like who does that and how do people come up with them? And so that started a journey of just like going down the rabbit hole, learning about naming. Um, and at the same time, 
I should add, like around halfway um, when I was at the agency in my time there, I did hop on some of the online freelance platforms just to like test them out. So that's where I started doing the occasional naming at the agency, which eventually became a couple more frequent. Um, and then also taking on these smaller projects just to do it on my own. So, yeah. So walk us through kind of some of your like non-negotiables or what your process is when you are helping to name a business or a podcast or a product, like what different exercises are you walking your clients through? Because I would imagine it's pretty similar to branding where you've got to understand the positioning and the market and the brand voice and the mission statement and the vision and the goals to really come and arrive at a really great brand design. But I have in in my, even in my intake questionnaire, I have, what is your brand name exactly as it should appear in the logo? Like precise spelling. Cause I'm not going to go back and like redo the logo because you decided at the 11th hour to change your name. Right. So occasionally it happens where clients like, uh, I don't know, I'm not sold on the name yet, or I haven't, it hasn't stuck. And so I have my own process of kind of walking them through that exercise, but I'm so curious as someone who's done this way more than I have, What is your process and kind of how do you help guide someone through that? Oh, great question. And I love this because it really is a branding exercise and it's Mm -hmm. so similar, I feel like, to design and, you know, the visual identity and then it's just the verbal identity, right? So, I mean, with logos and the whole visual identity, there's like lots of similarities we could talk about. Mm -hmm. But process-wise, it really is that first step that is crucial. So as you mentioned, you have a brand questionnaire. I have one as well. And it's getting like into the details of, okay, first company and like history and um, why, what's the reason for this and what's it going to solve and who is the audience? Like really specific, not just, you know, women, you know, we and everyone in the branding space knows this and in marketing too, like getting to that audience and then also positioning like many ideas so many ideas exist right like everything pretty much exists so how are you going to be different like what makes you unique in your space and getting to the voice too that's super important like so I do ask um what are the adjectives you would use to describe your brand I think that's Definitely non-negotiable and also keeping it tight too, because if you get to too many, then you're like looking at, okay, well, these two things, you know, could be totally opposite. Like which one is it? And actually it's good. You can explore those different things. I actually think too limiting is also, you know, too limiting. So there's like a happy medium. Yeah. So, so first step is that questionnaire um, supplemented by a call and just getting like really crystal clear, like asking the client to sign off on all these things. Oh, also for naming specifically, like, and this is like client doesn't always know the different types of names, but just asking like, are you super open to different styles or should it be, can we use different words, like combinations of words or even different languages, if it makes sense, like it should make sense, right? And um, getting like their preferences, a name can be really direct or forward and that's perfectly fine. Or it could be, you know, something like Google or just the made up word, which also can work. So just gauging where they're, what they're open. So that's really like once that set of like, you know, initial 
parameters, I guess. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. foundation is set. That's where I go and just go through different paths, essentially. And um, part of the reason it's Zeppelin, well, I could get more into that, but Mm -hmm. it's just like this idea of a little Zeppelin going down different paths and different ways. And okay, maybe there's the metaphor route. Maybe there's the, you know, um, super obvious route. And maybe there's the taking words from other categories that make sense for this brand route. So Mm -hmm. it's just going down these paths and coming up with as many names as possible initially just to do that full exploration. And okay, I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. um, The next step on my side of things is I do always like strongly recommend a trademark pre-screen. Now, and I'll caveat by saying I'm not a lawyer and I always recommend the team's to go to their legal team or to have some legal counsel on the client side. Like, I think it's pretty much a must have, but it does save a lot of time having that initial, yeah, pre-screen for like any obvious conflicts. And that includes Google desktop search too, but also going through some of the science, like the more technical trademark, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a whole other part of it. So I've had clients come to me before and they're like, I want to use this name, but somebody else already has the Instagram handle. And I'm like, oh, come on, can we pick something else? Just because again, the other, the other problem you run into is if you're picking a name that's widely used, you are creating confusion in the market. And although that other person may not have the trademark and you could like scoot out under them and try to get the trademark, like you don't want to start your business. I feel like with that kind of bad juju, <laughs> we might I as know. well just pick a name that's widely available, but it's becoming a lot more competitive now because brands aren't just operating in their own small town. So every state has different like trademark laws. And um, so for example, like my parents own an interior design and remodel company and they had someone who was under the same name in Orange County or in San Diego. And they had someone who was in um, Central Coast in Oregon. We could go after the San Diego one. They couldn't go after Oregon because it was deemed outside their market um, even though they will do projects for clients in all different states. And my parents own the trademark. And that's what I mean by go after. I don't mean it in like an aggressive yeah. way, but right, to send right. that cease and desist and say, Hey, listen, like the other thing is those businesses are not benefiting from the marketing that my family's done to grow their business of being mm-hmm. in the area for 20 years. Right. So it definitely gets complicated. And it's one of those things where even if you do your due diligence and do all your research, sometimes it still comes up that you're like, oh, shoot, this person's just been sleeping on this domain or they've been sleeping on this business name. And now you got to restructure, right? Like how many of your projects would you say are like naming the new business from day one versus naming something um, because their first choice wasn't available? That's a great question. And I love the example you gave too with the interior design. And, and like you mentioned, yeah, it's very difficult. Not only not only very difficult, but just I mean everything is taken. Like pretty much all real words are taken, mm-hmm. and of course mm-hmm. it depends on the the um, exact class that you're in. But um, your question was okay. H- how many are so a yeah. lot of them that I've worked are um, starting fresh, but then I've done a handful of rebrands as well. And a rebrand could be for a couple different reasons too, not necessarily trademark, like just redirection of the company you know, just starting fresh. Um, there was actually with the agency that I worked at, I hope they don't mind this example, but 
we worked on, this was with the team, um, a brand college nannies, sitters, tutors, and nannies, which had grown to be more than just like a nanny service, but really like filling in a gap with technology and um, other household services as well. So the rename for that, which happened to be my name, but it was a team effort, um, was is Jovi. So just like mm. a lighter, friendly, like right. it's in the childcare space So um, and education. So yeah, I would say um, I definitely like, I would say maybe 50-50, but a lot of them are starting fresh, like one of my services. So I kind of went through the official like mm -hmm. bread and butter. Like I also do consultations and also something I have, just like a blast off package, I call it just name generation, like big list of ideas, just options, not necessarily trademark pre-screened, but sure. just to give someone like more of a handoff um, in like a faster turnaround because the full project does take a couple of weeks. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I always find myself kind of generating pros and con lists with different names. And I think of my parents, like how they named my sister, my sisters and I, like they were all family names and they were all, they said that they had three rules for naming us, which was it should be easy to say, easy to spell, and that, that you should know if you were talking to like male or female from the name. Okay. My parents are very traditional in that way. So we're all like the most generic white names you ever heard. Michelle, Catherine, Sarah, Elizabeth, Catherine Lee, Lindsay, Sean, Grace, Marion, like very oh. like up, 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 up down the line. But it does make a certain amount of sense. It's something about being like people know how to how to read Michelle and say Michelle. Like it's nice That's that true. way. Versus true. you think of some business names. Like I'm a big fan of Newly, the clothing rental service. Okay. And I always have to say like, oh yeah, I love Newly. But it's and people are like, what is it? Newly. I was like, yeah, N U U L Y. And the fact that you have to yeah. spell it every time is like kind of annoying for the brand name. Um, memorable, but kind of annoying. Um, so I think that funky spellings. It just reminds me of all the like. Britlin, Ashlyn, Tinsley, like all these crazy names. You know what I mean? Like these baby influencer names that are so complicated, right? Oh, that's hilarious. And, you know, I think that misspelling is like a trend, right? That like mm -hmm. so many brands and startups like hopped on. And it is tricky because ultimately, well, okay, you're going to have to say it. But ultimately, I feel like a name should like be seamless because you're going to say the name and then you're going to move right into like what the thing is. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit tricky. I'm also named after all my family is named uh -huh. after family. So I'm um, after my grandmother on my dad's side, which, and there's like three cousins in the family that have the same name. So, or right. It's, it's great. It's a Greek thing too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I, there's trends and I feel like when brands or companies want to follow the trends, like one thing a name should try to do is be timeless. Timeless. Like, and, you know, there's a lot of like if I's and Lee's like after uh -huh. Spotify, which uh -huh. is cool. Like and Spotify works, right? But yeah, what you mentioned, you know, easy to say, easy to spell. There are criteria that you know, should be established at the beginning. But then mm -hmm. another thing I love to do, um, actually it kind of fills the rest of the process is kind of do some decision-making guidance. So walking through clients, like how do you decide? And that's like tricky because 
we all are subjective naturally and yep. you know and I'm sure with design too and totally design, like you experience totally. the same thing and you just have to like I I write it down I say it like don't be subjective you know try yeah. to take the personal out of it and out think of it. about the brand and who it's for so it's really yeah. hard though I have to tell my clients like we can't we of course we're shooting for the wedding dress moment with the branding, but if it doesn't happen, it's okay because it's part of the process, right? It is iterative. <laughs> it does take feedback and we can't expect one element of it to represent all of the things. I think that's where a lot of logo designers get it really wrong. I think that's where a lot of brand people get it really wrong is they try to come up with the perfect name that says everything that it needs to say mm-hmm. or the perfect logo that has every bit of hidden meaning all over. It's like, okay, we can play up. And it's it's really, I've noticed this a lot when I changed from doing like, when I first started doing logo designs, I would give people in the first draft 16 options. Here's wow. 16 potential black and white logos. Then we'll expand it into color and go into like the rest of it. But what right. I was realizing is like two things. One, they're paying me for my professional opinion to tell them what was the best idea for their business. And two, it was really hard for them to visualize how it was going to come together with all the other elements, right? Because mm-hmm. a logo, like, yeah, you may see it in black and white once or twice, but more often than not, you're getting it paired with photography and copywriting and color palettes and maybe motion graphics or what, like, there's all these other things that can add a lot of those characteristics. And so, once I switch to like one concept method and put all my energy into like, here's the best possible thing I could come up with for based on what you told oh, me, we cut down it. the amount of edits significantly. And now our team has like 80, 85% success rate on that first like presentation that this Amazing. is the best idea we could come up with. Um than we did before, which is like, it's so much better because it helps them then see that it's like, it's all of these elements working together that make that thing work. Right. Oh my gosh. I love everything you just said. Cause it's so <laughs> true. I love it. It's so true. And I love like, yes, there is no such thing as a perfect name. I mean, there could be, but then don't fall in love with it. Cause it might not be available, you know? Um, and, and exactly like I always, um, part of the decision-making process, actually, there is like an exercise of visualization. So you have to envision how the name is going to fit with the other elements. And even mm-hmm. if someone's starting from scratch, which a good time they are like a mood board, I love bringing visual elements in the presentation just to, you know, kind of have that. And another thing more audibly, so is like in context conversation wise, because that's how we'll be, you know, people will say it and people will, you know, we know so many things like from, I'm just thinking like Venmo is the first thing that came to Mm -hmm. mind or all these things that we just use. So many brands have made it like as real, like words basically. Totally. Totally. But I love what you said about, yeah, there's no, there's no perfect logo. There's no perfect name. It's just what's going to work well within the context of everything and like right. who you want to be and who your brand wants to be. And um, I, I'm, I get really excited about, you know, asking clients and thinking about like, if your brand could be the best version of itself, like what totally. would it be? Like even five years, 10 years down the line, like what is that? And then you can sort of see that name, see the logo with all the elements come to life and that's what really gets me excited too. So the naming, but also just the idea part of it. 
Do you consider yourself someone that has synesthesia? I think I butchered that. Synesthesia? Oh, no, I don't Which is think like so. where you can see colors. Because I think I kind of like, I low-key do. Like I can be on a first That's discovery so cool. call with someone and they're like, oh yeah, I have this company and we do X, Y, Z. And like, I, I call it like the That's So Raven phenomenon where I'm like, zoom. And like, I can like zoom in and be like, I know exactly what this should look like immediately. But I certain, love that. certain letters have certain colors to me. So like, I feel like there's, there's really sharp sounding. So you must know this from the naming side of it is like, there are sounds that we make that have almost like music. They have like a staccato to them or a flow to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested, like we're talking about the, if I and Lee and blah, 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 and all these kind of like techie words, those are definitely like more fluorescent, bold like mm-hmm. bold blue, bold green, purple, orange, like kind of yeah. in your face colors versus anything that ends in like an E-L-L-E or is like soft and feminine is like dusty blue. Oh my gosh. I love this. I, so I, I don't know. See it. I, I was like, it. again, I don't know if I'm the only one that has this or if everybody has this. So I'm just throwing it out there. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, okay. So I, I don't think I have it. I, I don't okay. think I do, but I do love the sound of words. And this is getting really like, I mean, I I love it though, because that's actually one of the attributes that you can use to judge, you know, your name, like there's meaning, right? Like, does the name have a meaning that maybe doesn't have a meaning and maybe it just sounds like, I think of the E-L-L-E, like you mentioned, it's like really luxury or feminine, like romantic, romantic. Have you heard of this? I read it a while ago in NPR where they Somebody did a study of a bunch of um, like crackers and then also chocolate and all the cracker names had really sharp, sharp, like sharp sounding like Triscuit and like Cheez-Its. Like there's crunch. Yeah. Crunchy, you know, quick sounds. And then um, they did, well, I think it was chocolate or like Rocky Road was one of the examples or like mocha. It sounds just more rounded and rich and and full like you get a full mouthfeel uh-huh it's, yeah. it's like wines it's like wines it's the same thing it's like the way that the word feels in your mouth or rolls in your yeah. mouth is giving you the connotation of what that thing is so like think of yeah. fine spirits right so think of like gray goose vodka mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or we could think of um you know, the, I mean, I'm looking right now at my Peloton. I feel like Peloton okay. is a great example, right? That's Here's a, great, a brand yeah. name that doesn't, when you understand etymology of the word and you understand what the thing is, you can start right. to put the pieces together. But if you're not an English, like, like English language nerd, like I am, or, <laughs> or art history nerd, um, you don't really know that Pelo is referring to bike and like Ton is giving you the the motion or the long, Mm -hmm. long duration kind of Mm -hmm. word sound etymology. Um, But that's one that sticks out to me as being like, now it's this cult thing that we use, like, oh, I'm going to Peloton later, like a verb. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. I think Peloton is a great name. And um, yeah, it's, it's, there's so many examples around us too. And, you know, sometimes with clients, you don't always get into this stuff because it's like too much too much shrilling down, but I love it. Like the sound of words. Um, I mean, it's poetry and it's, you know, words are poetry in a way. Um, and yeah, I just think of all the, like the luxury brands and then all the brands or like, um, Swiffer comes to mind. It like sounds like the Mm -hmm. thing it's very onomatopoeic. So there's so many directions to go down and that's, 
part of the naming process too is like going down the meaning path, going down the sound path. In many ways, I don't know, for me, sound kind of is above, like if I were totally, totally for for so many things, um, but it doesn't always have to be. But one of the things too is like, yeah, asking a client to prioritize what is the most important thing? Because like we said earlier, I can't do everything. Um, For sure. I can't do everything. So you have to prioritize. And there's always going to be trade-offs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will have to ask you about your favorite books later because, you know, I love- Oh my gosh. You know, here's the funny thing. I hate reading. (laughs) (laughs) Like I wish I, I wish I liked reading. And maybe, I mean, I listen to podcasts like a fiend. Oh, like good. I am a podcast yeah. freak. Like I have my daily rotation. Like I've ar- I'm already three podcast episodes in today, listening wise, and it's not even awesome. noon. Well, it's like 1230. So like that's my way of learning because I like to listen to podcasts when I walk my dog and I just like to listen yeah. to things quickly. Definitely an audiobook person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I get a lot of my like, new vocabulary from things like podcasts. And listening to things yeah. that are completely unrelated to my field is really fun to me. But I wanted to bring back, you had mentioned brand architecture before. And this is something that I've been trying to really explain to my clients, especially clients that have multiple service offerings or multiple products underneath their brand name. How do you help them organize and approach somebody who's got a lot of different things? So let's let's come up yeah. with a hypothetical. Let's say somebody is um, a consultant of some type and they have a one-on-one service, they have a VIP day, they have digital resources and education, and then maybe they have some kind of like podcast or web show. How do you help them then come up with a naming convention that logically makes sense? Because I think a lot of people get tripped up on this. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's a couple different approaches. And, you know, I'm thinking of brands like, uh, I think it's, well, FedEx, for instance, has mm-hmm. like a very simple, you know, and the FedEx and then, um, freight, FedEx yes. ground. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And then, oh, and for some reason, like, there's another one that's just coming to mind. It slipped to my mind, but that's okay. So I think the first thing is like deciding whether you want to have that approach where everything kind of lines up together or whether you want to have it be different, which, you know, like the big conglomerates do. With of course, their, like, of course. You know, yeah. individual brands. And so first, what makes sense for the brand? There was a project, um, again, when I was at the agency for this organization that does like in-home healthcare and um, really niche health services um, for individuals all across the country. And each like location had a different name pretty much. Some were, some were this name and some were this old name and they all had the state name or like actual location tied to the name. So the rebranding project was like, we got to get organize this and get one brand to cover everything that just represents who we are and kind of going at it that way. And then each individual location can add their location next right. to that. Dash, San Diego. Can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So first kind of figuring out that side of things. Um, I guess one thing that could work really well, and it doesn't have to be this way, but is, is there a theme that ties it all together for, for the consult, consultant example? Like, do they want to lean into flowers or something? That's just the first thing. Like, yeah. And maybe, no, I like this. Know, 
Yeah. And then each like service has a different, like a, a part of that. Um, and then that kind of creates their whole brand. Now that's one approach. You could also do something super straightforward. Like for example, if Zeppelin naming consultancy wanted to do social media, I would probably just keep the simplest answer. Zeppelin social media, social, social mm-hmm. something like that, which for now I'm sticking to naming, yeah. um, but there's different approaches. So I think exploring the different options, um, even like, is there a word, a mnemonic or like a, a letter combination mm-hmm. that is present throughout all the name options? Um, so kind of just going down the different paths. I think I always find a lot of inspiration for this in skincare because skincare uh, yes. brands have to get so creative with what the heck their thing is. Cause no one wants to say hyaluronic acid in micellar water, like 50 million times, because that's what those things are. But the one that stands out to me as always having really, really great product names is summer Fridays. Oh, so summer I love Fridays, me yeah. too. Jet lag <laughs> mask, jet lag oh. mask. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Like you hit me right in my core of all the things that I like. <laughs> right. It's like skincare, but it's minimal, but it's travel related. And you have no idea like jet lag mask, like doesn't mean anything to anyone, but you can think about it and be like, okay, when I'm jet lagged, what does my skin need? Right. Used to be hydrated, woken up, moisturized, like I'm dry from the airplane. And so this is a mask that would prohibit. So you're getting so much story in the mm-hmm. name and it's so smart. And then I'm, I have their website up now. Cause now I'm just like, I want to use this as an, ex- oh. as an example, their other products, dream Oasis, deep hydration serum, heavenly 16, all in one face oil, midnight Sounds ritual, lovely. retinol renewal serum. Like Ooh. they are speaking to an ideal client and it's me. And it's very <laughs> obvious. <laughs> I right? love that. Oh my god. Same gosh. with like shade drops, which is their like broad spectrum mineral sunscreen. Like I think that you can get creative with your copy without having to be prescriptive in what the thing is. And you have to do that with luxury brands, because again, like if you're just telling people like, Oh, it's this and it does that. It's kind of boring. I what know. do you think? I know. I totally, I'm with you. I love having more like evocative names of a feeling or like that specific example, like when you're getting off the plane and you have jet lag, like that is so, I think it's modern. I think it's fresh. And I think a lot of people limit themselves or clients limit themselves from that and they shouldn't. And um, part of me understands why, like I'm thinking skincare is a great example. Like, I don't know, cleaning products comes to mind too, or it's like, you want to say the thing, but I don't know, like me, I guess it depends on the target audience too. If it's like the majority of people and but sure. still, you you want you need something to have your brand stand out, and I I think that's the fun part of it too. And um, oh, they're so I think um, I haven't tried Summer Fridays yet, but I've seen their brand and I love their name. And just thinking um, outside the box, and this actually reminded me of a great example that I've heard uh, from another namer about candles. So mm, the way mm-hmm. that candles are named, you can start really simply with you know cherry or something, but then yep. you can to like midnight escapade. And that's a totally mm-hmm. different, it's just evocative of a feeling and a story. And you can do that with names. So, yeah. So I've been working with actually a candle company for a while. I was going to use this as one of the examples is uh, hotel lobby candle, which I've seen them. says I've seen it all in work. the name. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. I love um, that. And 
Lindsay also, I've had her on the podcast and she's like, yeah, I struggled for a really long time trying to come up with a name. And then I'm just like, call it what it is. Like it's a hotel lobby inspired candle. But we had this whole thing the first time we did the holiday collection where we had three scents that we were working on. One was called holiday. One was called cabin. And then there was a third one that they wanted to call lodge. And I said, guys, like there's not enough of a discrepancy between cabin and lodge. Like Mm -hmm. they're too similar. And the, the, what was to be the lodge candle was a red cinnamon candle. And I was like, okay. we can't call it lodge. Like, yeah. I was like, I know what you're going for, but I was like, I was like petition to call it chalet because cinnamon chalet just rolls so well That's and it just lovely. fits so much better. And then the cabin, it was like smoky cabin. So, and okay. then the labels are also what kind of drug that over the threshold, right? So like the label for cabin is kind of this, um, almost like a plaid, like wool blanket kind of look. And then the one okay. for, for chalet is this like swirly burled wood, which kind of looks like a swirly cinnamon cocktail of sorts. But that's, that's a perfect lovely. example with the names, right? Where you're that's like- That's a great example. It's got to start to to give you the feeling of what the scent is without, like you said, tell, like giving it all away, which is also mm-hmm. a strategy. Yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh, totally agree. And I've seen your hotel lobby candle work. I love it. It's so good. Um, I got one from my mom too last Christmas, was it? Or Mother's Day? I forget. I love it. So she loved it. And also just like lodge too, like, you know, has a different sound. Chalet is just sounds so elegant right? and beautiful. And that's part of it too. So that works so well. Um, for a while, I did a bunch of names, product names for a sunglass company. And okay. Like based on all made sustainably, like everything to help clean up pollution in the oceans. Mm-hmm. And that was so much fun because it was just coming up with exactly that names that well, it was also very much like vacation based, like okay. you live, like you're on vacation and no worries and let's save the ocean. And company is called Black Shades. And it was just a lot of fun coming up with those like more creative, evocative, you know, right. storytelling names. Yeah. Because then you can set rules for it too, right? So now that we know, when we started rolling with the candles, the first candle was Signature and Holiday. And then after that, we had like a Parisian collection. And then after that, we did Miami. Mm -hmm. And then we did New York. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, and then we, but then we also threw in like spa and linen. And I was like, okay, so there's two really collections going on here. There's like a core collection and there's a city collection. So we're working on the huge brand guides right now to kind of differentiate the two to say like, okay, if it's, if it's named after a city, this is the rule. And if it's named after just an, like a, a texture or a tactile experience or a, like a vague place island, okay. for example, like yeah. then it follows these rules. And we even have rules for that all the way through the color palette, through how we talk about it. Like it just <laughs> gets you so organized. Oh my gosh. It's so much better because otherwise my brain is like, huh? Which <laughs> one is, is this so one? Good. That is so good. That That's so important. That speaks to the importance of just brand guidelines and just knowing where to go and having those r- rules to follow. And sure, maybe if one gets broken, like maybe if sure, it's a small sure. one, maybe, I don't know yet. I like, I like the idea of rules and following them. And ah, that's brilliant. And I mean, Hotel Lobby Candle too, just works so perfectly with city. Like that's, that's it. That's mm-hmm. the, brand works just so well. So yeah, it's one of the brands that I call like an infinity idea, right? Because you can do like, you could do Morocco, you could do London, you could do (laughs) India, you could do like, you could really go 
everywhere with it, which is so fun, which is why like I'll be working on it forever. But we have some other clients too that that are, which I might need to pull you in on actually. Uh, they have a restaurant, they're opening a diner and the diner they bought from the original owners and the diner is called Polar Bear Eats. So it's a polar bear themed, I don't know why polar bear, which I should probably get that origin story. But we're trying to come up with what some like food names could be oh for gosh. like some of their signature like um, signature stuff or even like naming the polar bear character. And it's yeah. super fun, but it's like, man, sometimes it's tricky to figure out exactly what you want, like your milkshake flavor to be called, for example. Okay. You have to you like know? go through, well, I guess one strategy would be to like go through as many options or like a good number of options to feel that you've at least explored them and then feel really good about the one that you go with and um, narrowing it down from like the long list or the long presentation. That is so cool too. And polar bear, I mean, that's another strategy, like having something really visual, like, or an animal. Totally. Well, I think of like, there's a bunch of these, but like um, gym shark or like sticker mm-hmm. mule. Mm-hmm. It, that is a memorability factor. And um, sometimes that works with colors too, adding a color totally. with a word and like conjuring up something people already know. And I love that example too, because two things you wouldn't necessarily think go together right. come together and right. Oh, that's the magic of it. That's really, I know we got to figure out what our own name for blizzards. Cause we don't want to be calling it a blizzard. If it's, is it Wendy's that uh, has the blizzard? I, I think is it or dairy queen. I can't or dairy queen. Know. Maybe it's dairy. I think you're right. Dairy queen, but it's, it's going to be an interesting experiment because it's like, how do we, we blend, like you said, these two things that are unrelated, but in a weird mm-hmm. way, it's kind of like putting the bumpers up on the bowling alley. Right. If like mm-hmm. it feels limited, like it feels limiting to be in a niche or it feels limiting to have guardrails. But then when you do, you actually have more room to play within it because then you know that you're not trying to be everything to everyone all the time. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. this cross section, this, in, this middle of the Venn diagram. that's like, okay, it has to be polar bear related, but then also yeah. like drive in burger joint related. So like yeah. what lives in the middle? So it's been, oh my fun. Gosh. it's been a lot of fun. That's, I'm on a hundred percent the same page. And well, a couple of things come to mind. Have you seen those Venn diagrams lately making their way where it's like, it's perfect. It's exactly what you mentioned. It's like pizza brands and like editorial styles. And then the sure. ones in the middle are like the uh-huh. same, or they just bring together two different concepts. And it makes me think like, that's why it is really hard starting out from scratch. But totally. I think it's really important to, like, I always tell clients and I, I write it and I, emphasize it. And so when I present names, like each one is on its own page alone, Totally, just, and really giving each one its due time, like it's due moment, like letting mm-hmm. it sink in. And, um, that's really important because you can have a name, I don't know, be kind of quirky and be in this direction. And then the next mm-hmm. name is more, uh, maybe luxury sounding and straightforward or something like that. And, like imagining the paths that those can go down. Cause once you stick to it, like you mentioned, then you're in the guardrails and then you can explore and play and everything. So, yeah, but you also don't want to like, you don't want to 
click over to a business that sounds like something and then see it and have it look totally different, right? Because then a lot of the the visuals and the sound of the word need to complement each other in the same way. So um, another project we did, like Peach Grove House, is this like 1850s um, historic estate in upstate New York. And before it was called Peach Grove Manor. Okay. And I was like, you know, it's, it is kind of, but it's also not. And we agreed it sounded a little too stuffy for something that was literally like a f- peach farm. I was like, can oh. we call it peach farm, like luxury guest house? And we we're like, mm-hmm. ding, ding, ding. That's it. You know, because it, it, it's bridging that gap because manor felt a little too like wh- number one, like spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yep. Yep. Or I could too see that. stuffy in a way that you uh, wouldn't yeah. want to just like kick your shoes off and sit on the front porch and drink a tea. Um, yeah. which was definitely the vibe of the place, but it's so interesting. I could talk about this forever, obviously. (laughs) Um, I love chatting with you about it. If someone wanted to work with you, where could they find you, follow you, all of that good stuff? Oh my gosh. Well, all right. So you could go to, I'm on um, zeppelinnaming.com is the website. Um, Instagram at zeppelinnaming. Um, You can also find me on LinkedIn, Zeppelin Naming Consultancy, and then my personal LinkedIn, Alex Coxidis. Um, Be happy to connect there in any of those ways. So I Perfect. could talk about naming forever too. This is right. Really we have fun. a few like rapid fire questions that I forgot that I wanted to plug at the end, um, which oh, yeah, I've been sure. asking everyone this season is there's okay. a huge trend on TikTok right now of like what's in and what's out for the new year, which I just think is a good like exercise in general to just kind of mm-hmm. see where people are at. So what are some things for you that are definitely in for 2023? And what are some things that you'd be happy to leave behind? Oh, this is a good question. And I have seen this trend. Um, okay. So what's definitely in could be is, business or personal or anything. Personal, okay. Uh, I have a couple, well, at least one I can think of. Um, what's in is a morning routine because mm-hmm. I, um, you know, should have been better about that in the past, but now that's in. Also, um, this is more personal too, but no sugar. <laughs> like trying to. Oh my gosh! You know, good for you. Where, Brave. I mean, you know, <laughs> trying. it's not, it's very difficult. We're trying and I have a huge sweet tooth. So that's, um, mm. that's something that's also in, um, oh, what's out, I would say is any self doubt and any, yes. um, any, those periods of like not confidence or like when you want to say a price or when you want to give an offer or think those sort of entrepreneurial business things, that's what's out. So Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I would say also, I'm going to add a new ones from even the last episode in, um, muting people on Instagram. Like if oh, there's a competitor that. that's out there, cause I, I wonder if you're into this now too, cause I know you're pretty new with your, your socials and everything, but mm-hmm. there's a tendency to want to follow people in your industry and follow them in your niche and like consume mm-hmm. all their things. I notice it's so much more of a distraction for me and it puts me in this space of being like, well, why aren't I doing that? Or how come I haven't shared about this? Or, and then you kind of end up on this whole spiral. And actually my friend Georgia just sent, put this on her stories was this tweet that said, um, stop using your income as your main marketing message, be known for your thought leadership and subject matter expertise, not your bank account. And I'm like, yup. I I love that. That's so true, right? Like there's so often on social media, there's like these really catchphrasy like hooks. And I just had this talk with my team too, where one of my team members was like, what's this thing I'm seeing about everybody wanting to be a UGC content creator? And I was like, remember in 2019 where everybody's like, my six figure this, my six figure launch that, my six figure year, blah, blah, blah. 
like seen them. They're just these little phrases that just seem to catch people, which is perfect. Just mm-hmm. talking about copywriting, right? Mm-hmm. That seem to just hook people, yeah. and it starts to feel like snake oil salesman-y vibes. Of like, if you're a successful person, if you're a successful person and you're doing great quality work, number one, your work should speak for itself. And number two, you should be getting plenty of referrals from your existing clients. And number three, you should be excited to share about what you made, not about what you, like what you actually created and not what you made in a monetary, in a monetary way. Oh, I personally, well, even for me, like I would find it very uncomfortable to just share that. I just personally would find it very uncomfortable to share financial, like anything. I mean, maybe. But it's a thing. I don't know it's like that, a whole I, thing. I've seen it too. I've seen it too. And then like, oh, there's probably, there's the whole realm with like the influencers with like the flashy cars uh-huh. and like the houses, but it's really just, you know, an Airbnb or things like that. Like that's a whole yes. other. So don't overlook the mute button. That's going to be my definitely in I, is muting people. You don't have to unfollow them, but just like, you don't need to see it. You don't need to see I it. I like that. Because distractions, like if there's one thing I guess I could also say is out is like, you know, not letting distractions distract you from actually doing what you know you want to do and do. So definitely, definitely. So definitely in is using the mute button. Out is falling for internet hijinks. I love it. I think that sums it up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I love chatting with you. And guys, reach out to Alex. Make sure you follow her um, on all the places. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.